Dallas fed him the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. Hart doesn't have it, does he? No, he kept it out. What a stop by Carter Hart right on the goal line. This is kind of a blue-collar community. Uh, they like the hard-working guys in Cleveland, and certainly emulated that. And away come the Rebels, and Dumba heels by Siemens, in over the line, gets dropped, shoots and scores! Great individual effort by Matthew Dumba. Quinto will play it for Nolan Patrick, breaking in, shot, score! Welcome into WHL Unfiltered. Pleased to have a very special guest, former Swift Current Bronco defenseman Bob Wilkie. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy to happy to have you on the show today, Bob. Thanks, Chad, for having me. Um, looking forward to it. So obviously, you know you've uh, you know the events here of the last week have kind of come you know full circle for for you and and some of your Broncos teammates from. From back then, let's 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 go back to to 1986, and and you're a promising young player in this league, and and trying to you know find your way as as all these guys are, and and you have aspirations of playing pro, and and you know what what was it like playing for the Broncos before the crash? You know, it was a little bit of a struggle. I started the year in Calgary, and um, you know, really exciting summer because. The rankings came out, and, and after my rookie year, I was, uh, you know, the possibility of going in the first round of the NHL draft. So, you know, it was a super exciting time. And, and after the first game of the season, I got traded to Swift Current. And <clears throat> that's when it all kind of to spiral, you know, being a Calgary kid and playing at home and how successful I was. It was in a good place. And, you know, everything got turned upside down when I got traded to Swift. I had some friends that were traded there in the off season and being Swift's first year, you know, the, there was a lot of guys that just weren't real happy. And I remember driving through Swift current in the summertime and thinking, thank, thank God I don't have to be here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's funny how fate does that to you, but, um, yeah, it took me a while to, uh, kind of settle in new teammates. I knew a couple guys on the team and, you know, dealing with that homesickness that every kid deals with when they first moved away. You know, it took me till Christmas time to kind of start getting comfortable. So, you know, coming back from Christmas, it, there was a there was more excitement in the air. Um, you know, Trent Cressy and Scotty Kruger were both being talked about as guys that could possibly get drafted, and so we were doing some extra workouts and, and just all jacked up. So. You know, it was it was a struggle to get comfortable, but we were really starting to find our stride and do some great things. Hmm. That's that's interesting. As far as you mentioned those those two players in particular, as as far as uh, having having a pretty good year to that point, they were unbelievable hockey players. Um, you know, it was so much fun to play with those guys. They were so creative, um, especially for little guys at that time. You know, Scott, Scotty was 
he was five seven, five eight. Uh, Central scouting came in to do all the weigh-ins and height, and I remember scouting putting pucks in his underwear and um, you know trying to find the, the tallest pair of shoes that he could when he was getting measured for his height. But to watch him on the play, you know, out on the ice, man, you, you'd think he was six foot two and two hundred thirty pounds. And that's interesting too. What you know, you're talking about, you know, using the the Christmas break as a as a as a marker in that that season and and getting more settled in as as a Bronco and and uh, it was shortly thereafter that you know things kind of went haywire, huh? Yeah, um, you know, again, real funny start to the day. The, 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 the night before, we were all cruising around. I, um, you know, it was beautiful. Nobody had coats on. And, um, no, no sign of nothing. But the next day we woke up and, you know, a storm blew in like it does out in Saskatchewan and, um, got real bad real quick. So, you know, everybody was a little bit nervous. You always kind of are when you're getting on the bus when the roads aren't very good. And, um, you know, Scotty had forgotten his dress clothes. So Graham made him go home to get his dress clothes. And that put us a few minutes behind. And I think that kind of added to the anxiousness. But once we got on the bus, you know, it was, business as usual everybody was assuming their their spots on the bus and the card game was starting and just kind of settling in so it was um i mean it was just chaotic what uh what happened in you know five minutes into the trip yeah that's you know that's a a a thing that always stuck with me about that story is just the fact that it was just outside of town and you know fast forward to when it was time to go back to work and, and start playing games again. And, and you immediately had to get on that, the new bus and go right past that spot. Yeah. You know, we spent, uh, after the accident and the funerals and the memorials and, you know, all the stuff that everybody's, um, you know, honoring, honoring our teammates. Um, it was hard, you know, taking those first couple steps to get on that bus. Uh, you know, for everybody, um, was not a comfortable situation. I don't think anybody really wanted to do it, but, um, you know, that's the choice we made as a group. We, they asked us, you know, after the accident, they got everybody together and said, you know, do you guys want to keep going or do you want to call our quits for the year? And we all just agreed that, you know, it'd be best if we kept moving. That's what they would want us to do. And, that first day, you know, taking those three, four steps to get on that bus were uh, one of the hardest things I ever had to do. I I want to I want to go back a couple of days here. So, you know, when when the memorials and stuff were going on, you know, I'm not real familiar with that. Didn't didn't uh, didn't the entire league uh, come to, come to Swift Current to to pay respects? You know, what I remember was it was the Eastern teams. Okay. Um, you know, there wasn't as many, obviously. We didn't have uh, Red Deer, Edmonton, anybody like that. So, you know, PA, Moose Jaw, Regina, Brandon, um, Medicine Hat, um, PA, you know, they Saskatoon, they were all in the building. That's what I remember anyway. Hmm. And what was, what was that moment like? I mean, was it... I mean, I mean, how much do you remember of it? I mean, it's just still kind of a blur all at that point. Um, you know, who spoke, what they spoke about. Yeah, totally. I, I have no recollection of that. Um, the, the look and the feel and, you know, seeing the, the big pictures of the boys put up front and, um, 
just the uh, the sadness in the building. Um, yeah, I, I remember that clear as a bell. It was uh, it was an awful time for everybody. I mean, it's there's there's no way for myself or any of the listeners to put ourselves in 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 your shoes and you know and even relate to. I mean, it's just such a such an unusual you know, tragedy is just something that none of us, none of us have to deal with or ha- have had to deal with until here recently. But, you know, when, when a normal funeral and, you know, the, uh, and, you know, people pass all the time and, and, and we pay our respects. I mean, you know, for me personally, it's like, those are the, you kind of get it out and there's a closure and it's like, it's, it's a normal thing, but you know, that, that ceremony probably wasn't, did, didn't have, did it have those type of properties for you as far as, you know, helping you go forward at all? No. Um, you know, the, the, there's been different losses that I've had. Uh, my dad, my grandpa, um, you know, family members, friends, you know, that sort of thing. And it, and it is. It, it's always sad. I mean, loss is never easy for anybody um, of anything. And, you know, this one w- was different for us because um, we, we survived something, um, you know, and that uh, at the time nobody knew really what it was or how it worked. And, um, you know, I, I, I think the, the memorial and, and those types of things are great. You know, sometimes it does uh, provide that type of closure that people are looking for. But because we were, you know, so entrenched in it and, um, uh, you know, physically saw it and we're still feeling the uh, repercussions of it. I don't think it uh, provided that for me anyway. Yeah. Just something I always wonder about when you see those things and, you know, and I guess, I mean, what, how long did it take? I mean, you had to get on the bus, you know, what another 20 times probably finish the year and, and, and the playoffs. I mean, how did it ever really get better i mean just a little bit every time or what you know i played uh the remainder of that season and and two more years in swift and then 10 years pro and um i don't remember time stepping on the bus where i didn't feel anxious Hmm. Hmm. yeah that's i mean i guess how well i mean would you would you say that that experience was typical with uh with with your teammates yeah, yeah, I would. I think that there was uh, there was a few guys, all of us at the beginning. I think a few got easier, but um, you just you know did things to not think about it. You you know jumped in and played cards real quick, or um, you know we didn't have phones, so you couldn't text or check social media. But you know you put your headphones on, or you're reading a book, or uh, watching a movie, something to distract you from the feelings that you had of trying to do that again. And, um, you know, it works for a little while until you switch lanes and you feel that little bump in the road and, and you know, that just, that pops you right up. So hmm. it, you know, like every loss that we encounter in life, you know, it, it does fade, but I don't think they ever go away. Yeah. I mean, you know, Joe Sackick is, is well known for never really speaking about that day and that, you know, the, what he went through. And I mean, he's known for not speaking much at all, but. <laughs> you know, it's a guy that, you know, you kind of wonder, you kind of wonder, you know, how, I mean, I guess everybody deals with these things differently, right? But, you know, it seems, it seems like internalized and compartmentalized and, it, you know, it seems to be the, the wrong way to do it, you know? 
I think you nailed it on the head there, Chad. You know, everybody's different, right? Like some people just have that ability. They can just put it past them and moved on. Um, for whatever reason, uh, I have no idea. I, I think because, you know, I saw one of my teammates take, take his last dying breath. I think because I saw the bodies laying right in front of me, I think that that had a little bit more effect than the guys that were at the front um, that didn't see any of that. You know, the the way the accident happened and the passerbys being right behind us and quickly putting people in their cars and turning around and taking them to the hospital, I think, um, was fantastic and saved a lot of people, uh, those types of memories. Yeah. Well, saved the memories and potentially saved lives too, I imagine. Yeah, totally did. Um, you know, we weren't, it was just a really freak accident. I mean, we weren't, we weren't speeding. We weren't going, uh, fast. You know, we, we hit an approach road and it caused the bus to fly in the air. And, um, you know, the last thing I remember is just kind of seeing everybody floating in slow motion. Uh, you know, and then waking up with the, you know, everything everywhere and, and lots of moaning and groaning and, you know, a few uh, screaming, that sort of stuff. But I think we were extremely fortunate um, that we only lost four on that day because, uh, like this tragedy, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I say it all the time that, you know, how many how many teams on how many buses for how many kilometers a year, <laughs> you know, and, and, I mean, you get car crashes, you know what, on average you get 10 car crashes in your lifetime or whatever it is. And, you know, I mean, it... It, 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 and, and statistically, it should probably happen every year to somebody. I mean, fortunately, we, it doesn't, but, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's lots of instances. You know, I've had kids that uh, that I work with recently reached out, and, you know, they remember times that their bus went off the road. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't turn out into tragedy, and sometimes it just doesn't get reported. Um, you know, there's incidents all over the world with different uh, uh, people, um, you know, having to go through something like that and not even sports teams there's there was a, a big accident this summer out um, between here and vancouver you know a bunch of uh tourists yeah so it, it happens a lot more than people think that's for sure so a couple of years ago i was fortunate enough to interview uh clint malarchuk you know <laughs> who played here in portland and yeah you know and a big part of his story was you know i mean everything he dealt with with his skate cut and you know, I think he only missed 10 days and came back and didn't want to deal with it. And I mean, he's crazy anyways, you know, you know, goalies are. He was. And, uh, but what, what, where I bring that in here is that, you know, when, uh, Richard Zednick, who also played here, um, had his skate cut, then it just brought everything right back to the surface. And all those demons mm-hmm. just came right back. Like it was, you know, like it happened to him, you know, and, and, and I got a, I got a, I wonder about, you know, you and, and, uh, and your teammates on that, on that Swift current team. If, if you, if something similar to that happened, you know, that Friday night when we all found out about, uh, humble. Oh man, it was like somebody took a frying pan and just smacked us in the head. They all came flooding back. Um, it wasn't an hour until we were all in touch with each other. Uh, you know, reaching out to my billets, um, you know, Bob was one of the first responders on the team to our accident back in '86, and uh, you know, happened to be my happened to be my billet. Um, he was an RCMP officer, so you know, reached out to him right away. And um, yeah, I mean, at the time, and I think it's still prevalent today. Um, you know, being an athlete, 
athletes and being an elite athlete, uh, you have to have a certain persona to carry around that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're strong. Um, you know, you can't so show any signs of weakness. You can't, you know, have any issues. Um, back then it was, you know, you just, you sucked it up and, and you got on with life. And, um, you know, that was just such the wrong way to handle it. And I think that's a, another good exception, you know, to have that sort of 10 near death experience happen and, and not take the time to, you know, do the proper things that we're learning now are so important to, you know, being able to move past these types of events that people have in our lives is just, it's a blessing that people are more aware now. And um, it's unfortunate for those that have had to live with it for a lifetime. Well, fortunately, in this case, you know, there's uh, there's no Graham James involved. And so we can thank God for that, right? Yeah, you know, and you look back and I got asked about it a couple of weeks or a week ago with uh, one of the reporters here, you know, how much how much of him being involved stopped you guys from getting what you need. And I think, you know, we can all agree that there was uh, there was nothing offered through the team, you know, somebody that we could relate to uh, and talk about just because everything else that was going on. So, you know, that that definitely added a real wrinkle to the whole thing and um, you know, seeing that uh, in Graham, you know, you could really see it uh, after the accident till the end of the season. I mean, he was he was totally out of control, and, and I think it was eating him up, um, knowing that you know not only was he doing these uh, terrible things to these kids that he had learned how to somehow live with, but now he was affecting everybody, and and he was seeing it, and he just didn't know how to handle it, so. You know, it caused even more confusion for us in the locker room because we couldn't figure out, you know, after everything we've been through, we thought maybe a little bit of compassion would come into play, but it, it actually got worse for us. Uh, it, it's a terrible disorder, and, and, you know, you see it in the U.S. military, and they're doing more and more and more to help these soldiers and their families for these guys that come, you know, back from seeing all this horrible stuff. It's it's a real thing, man, and it it's a huge price that the people have to pay to, uh, you know, that have to go through those sorts of horrible events. Yeah. Well, you make, and you make a really excellent point there. I mean, this is, you know, here in 2018, we're just starting to, to really learn about PTSD and, and, and how to deal with it. And, and, and I mean, that's, that, that wasn't even a thing in, in 86. We didn't even, we didn't even know that, you know, the shell shock, it was rub some dirt on it, quit being a pussy or whatever. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's something that, that sticks, that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and being being somebody who, I mean, I wasn't sure what the hell was going on with me. I didn't know what, what I was so messed up. And, you know, after we left Fifth Current and win the Memorial Cup and, you know, kind of having that tight-knit family, and we all understood each other, you know, we all, we all had baggage. We all had, uh, <laughs> you know, our things. And, and when we got away from that was when we really started to struggle because nobody else could relate to what we were going through. Um you know, I remember several times throughout my career, general managers asking me what the hell was wrong with me and, you know, having to sit there and say, I, I don't know. Um, you know, and that was, that was very hard because in that game, if you didn't, if you didn't have it, then, you know, you were considered weak, you were considered messed up. Um, and they moved on to the next guy. So, you know, that made it even harder. And, you know, when, when you have that type of disorder and you don't know what's going on, 
you start looking for answers. And I remember watching uh, Band of Brothers, uh, you know, a great HBO series about uh, the Second World War and this group of guys that went all through this stuff together. And I could totally relate to, you know, some of those guys losing their mind and, and struggling and hearing their, their personal stories kind of in between, um, you know, the video. And uh, that that's totally how I felt. And, uh, you know, then you feel bad because it's like, well, no, I wasn't in the war. Um, but you know, I sure as shit felt like I was. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, we compare our hockey players to warriors and we use those terms and, you know, and, and, and you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're brothers. And in this case, you know, you're fallen, you're fallen teammates. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, there is a lot of parallels. I mean, you know, I prefer keeping battles on the ice rather than in the theater war myself, but yep. when, when at all possible, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it, it, at some point it becomes the uh, the tragedy you know olympics or whatever and yeah just you know the other guys got it worse you know what i mean and and somebody's always got it worse but that didn't mean you don't have it bad you know what i mean again we talk about the just the sheer casualty numbers you know we're up to 16 in humboldt and and, and maybe and maybe counting yet we don't know and but it i mean it's it's something that's going to stick with those guys for their, their lives too isn't it yeah, that was the hardest part um you know, once those memories come flooding back from here and better than the bus accident and with a Bronco team, you know, uh, no less, the the pain right away went to what these young men and families and community are going to feel and have to go through for a long, long time. And so, and so you guys went out there, you and Sheldon and, and a couple other guys? Yeah, Darren Kruger, my D partner uh, from Swift, he wasn't on a bus, but uh, it was his older brother that died, and uh, Peter Sobelak, and Sober and I were on the bus, the back of the bus together, and, and uh, you know, saw the, the, the carnage firsthand, so, you know, we, we, we grouped up pretty quick, and we were on a plane Sunday morning, heading out there, and, you know, we really didn't know what we were going to be able to do, and what we could offer, but... Uh, we were compelled to go and, and see. And so, what what was what was that like? You go to the the very, I mean, they're they're kind of spread out around all hospitals in the area, aren't they? Actually, at that time, they had had uh, all but one of the players at, at uh, the hospital, and, um, Royal University Hospital, was the name it. And, um, so that was the first place we went. We got off the plane. Pat Noje, uh, who was on the bus with us, was. He's uh, an inspector with the Saskatoon police, and uh, we had chatted with him. He texted me right away uh, when it happened, and we told him we were coming, and he had set everything up for us to to get around the hospital, um, contacted us right away. Uh, you know, the crazy part, and uh, this, this theme of six degrees of separation to this thing um, just kept showing uh, day after day that we were there. But uh, the family that I live with, the Harriman, Susie, the little girl at the time, she was three, um, is now a surgeon, and she was the surgeon that was on call at mm-hmm. the hospital as the kids started coming in. And so we had a little bit of a rundown. Susie helped coordinate getting us in there. Um, yeah, it was you know it was a big deep breath, and I don't know what the hell's going to happen, and I don't know if I can hold my shit together. Um, but I'm going to go in and do the best that I can. And I think because the four of us were there together, it. Uh, it allowed us strength, you know, the outpouring of support that we got as individuals from the people that we've been in contact with our lives. And, 
you know, our, our text messages and emails and phone calls from, you know, all those people that um, we've had the good fortune to know. I think that really gave us a lot of strength and um, being able to be out there and, and be a support for these these people going through this awful time. You know, I mentioned earlier in this conversation how, you know, none of us, I, myself, none of these listeners will be able to relate to to that position at all, you know, and yeah. we, we try, but, you know, I can, and, and the same with, with, with these kids, these, these, this set of Broncos, but I mean, it had to be, it had to be really valuable to have some of the only, only guys walking the planet that have been through the same thing, a similar thing to, to have them come to, to come to see them, to come to, to, to support. I mean, that had to be, I mean, what, what you guys just did had to be really valuable to those players. You know, some of the feedback we got after we left uh, from the hospital in particular, you know, the nurses and doctors that had been working on these kids for so long said the minute we walked in the room, the energy changed. And, you know, that was just uh, a really good feeling to be able to provide that and, you know, hug the parents and cry with the parents and, you know, speak with the kids and... um, you know, tell them that uh, they got to focus on getting strong. They got to focus on getting healthy, and you know, we'll be around to help you deal with whatever you have to next. But you know, right now, it's just uh, get better, get out of there, and and then then we can talk. And I think that had a huge impact. You could see the hope in the parents' eyes, especially um, you know, hearing from us and, and seeing us together. And I mean. Everybody knows Sheldon from his story and all the great work he's done with the child advocacy and, and speaking out against child abuse. And I think, um, you know, seeing that we're all okay, you know, we're all normal. We all have families. We all give back and, and try and help others. I think that really provided a lot to the parents to hear that um, that they're going to be able to get through this. Yeah, and it, again, I mean, I'm sure when, when they – caught word that you guys were coming and, 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 and the parents and the kids, I mean, I'm sure they all, you know, these are the guys that know, that know what they're talking about. These are the guys that, that we can relate to. Yeah. It's crazy that you have that kind of experience in a lifetime. You can go and help somebody, but, um, you know, I know, I know we all feel very fortunate that we were able to provide that experience to them. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote a blog today, you know, just calling when the darkness comes and there's, there's a lot tougher times ahead for these families. You know, the, the young man that's paralyzed and, you know, having to deal with a new way of life with the, the parents that have lost and, you know, seeing that bedroom vacant and, um, you know, the kids that survived and the survival guilt that they're going to have to deal with. There's just so many things that, uh, still need to be accomplished here you know one thing one thing about this particular tragedy that it's different than in in your era is just the the kind of connectivity we have you know i mean a a show like this you know i mean the the, what we have on the internet with uh the guys putting their sticks out you know and 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 coming together and and you see all the all the shows of uh of support and and unity and and you know i mean it's it's i mean the Quinn England chimed in you know i mean it's you know that's i i wish we would have had some of these some of these avenues you know when when you were going through this 
it's made all the difference in the world, you know, and, and to, to be there, um, in the middle of it and to see it and to feel it, uh, the love and support that's being sent and continues to be sent, uh, and will continue to be sent to, to all the people that are involved to see how it's affected so many across the world to see that there is so much, um, support out there, you know, to see kids in, in Australia, uh, in China wearing their hockey jerseys, showing their support to see, you know, all the sticks on the porch and, you know, it just, um, it's a great thing to see, um, the goodness in people. And I think, you know, a tragedy like this has really, really brought that to the forefront that, you know what, um, we do care. That brings to mind, um, the piece that Greg Grinnan wrote, friend of the show, Greg Grinnan, who, um, you know, wrote a fictional, um, account of a, of a, of a game, you know, that, that those guys are recently played, you know, in, uh, in heaven. And, 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 and that reminds me of, of your relationship with, with Greg. And when you guys, um, wrote sudden death together, I mean, what, what was it like, what's it like writing a book? You know, it was something that was in the back of my mind for a really long time. And, and, uh, I was given an angel by the name of Lisa Colpoo. She contacted me out of the blue um, and said, you know, I was I was behind the bus the day it went off the road and I, uh, I held Trent Cressy as he took his last breath. And, um, you know, from that point on, Lisa and I have been and, and uh, we connected right away. She, I told her about the idea for the book. She fully supported it. She went and got all the newspaper articles uh, from Swift Current for those three years, and radio interviews and anything she could get her hands on. Traveled down to Hershey, where I was living at the time, and we wrote the guts of the book in, uh, in the course of a weekend. It was, it was quite amazing. Huh. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, as far as a, a rough outline, I mean, you had like a good portion of, of, of what you were going to run. <laughs> we, had, we had a good portion of what was going to be done, and, and, you know, Lisa started chopping it around, and, it was tough, you know, she spent so much time, the better part of three years, tracking down somebody that would help finish this thing and, and put the pieces to it. And she found Greg and then, uh, you know, found a company that was willing to, um, you know, publish this thing and really made the dream become a reality. And I know the feedback that we've gotten from the people that have read the book, uh, it's just been awesome. Um, you know, every, every time I go somewhere and speak and, you know, I have the books there and people come up and I remember the time. I remember where I was. I remember, you know, I was connected to so-and-so and, um, yeah, it was, that really helped me kind of eliminate, uh, the feelings that I have, um, carried for over 20 years. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, I guess you probably had no idea how, how successful the book was going to go. I mean, but if you did have expectations, I mean, how, how how did it go up against those? Yeah, I mean, it exceeded, really. Uh, a good friend of mine here in town, Eric Francis, I asked him about it before I started writing. He says, well, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> um, and I said, well, it's not about the money. He says, well, good, then then it'll be a good book. And um, it, it's far exceeded the expectations, you know, just to hear the stories of people, um, you know, that can relate to the story that have been through something similar. 
um, how it helped them, how it inspired them, how it motivated them to, you know, get help or talk about it or so many different things. Uh, it's, it's done more than I ever thought possible. Hmm. Well, I guess you kind of wonder if, you know, you guys came to, to the, to the, you know, back in the, in the mind in the, in the conversation here recently. I mean, I, I, I wonder if, uh, if it'll spark some interest in the, in the book here now for a, a, a second run. I think a lot of it could be used uh, for healing. You know, it's going to provide some insights as to how we dealt with it. And, um, you know, the, like I say, there's that twist with Graham in it. But, you know, the fact that we were able to win the Memorial Cup two years later is the best team in Canada and, um, you know, one of the best junior teams of all time, uh, I, I think really can be used as a lot of motivation that, you know what, these people are going to get through this and they're going to be stronger for it. And, you know, those humble Broncos are going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with in the future because a lot of people are going to want to do uh, and be a part of that organization. It's true. Um, and everybody knows that, you know, the best championships are, you know, when you have to go through the Portland Winterhawks to get there. Um, <laughs> so you've won the Memorial Cup. I mean, let's, let's, let's go down that road a little bit, you know, and yeah. that was – I mean, that's the, the hardest trophy to win in all of sport. I mean, because you have such a narrow window, you have to go through your league to do it. I mean, what's that like? I mean, that 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 playoff run, you guys went undefeated, right? Yeah, we didn't lose a game. And I'll tell you, uh, that team that whole year, you know, when we started off, we really started to see what these young guys were bringing. Um, we knew what the old guys had. We knew what, you know, our core was capable of. But the additions of uh, Brian Sackett, Jeff Sanderson, Blake Knox, um, Kimby Daniels, uh, you know, it was just, those guys were such a huge part of the contributions. Uh, Mark McFarland coming in and, uh, you know, being willing to go up against the, uh, the tough guys on the other team. And, you know, there wasn't a rink that we walked into that we didn't know we could kick their ass. And, um, you know, that just our confidence built every game. Uh, it grew and grew. You know, we had a power play that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, we had two two great solid power play lines that um, if one wasn't clicking, the other wasn't. If they both were, you were in big trouble. Um, I still remember one game against Moose Chug, we scored 10 power play goals. And um, I think we still hold the record for most power play goals in the season at 185. Hmm. So, I mean, that just... I mean, what what what's the contrast like? I mean, you talk about knowing you're a good team and you are a good team and you're and you're winning games and you're so you're on the ice and you're you're scoring goals and, and everything's great. It's a party, and then you got to get on that bus again, right? Yeah, I mean, at the end of every game, you know, you had you knew you had to get back on. And I remember one time we were playing here in Calgary and and the weather was bad and, and we refused. You know, the the roads were bad and. Graham's like, come on, we got to go. And we're like, no, we're not getting on the bus. So we actually, we sat on the side of the road and, and waited until it was better. And I think we were there for a good five hours before, um, you know, the roads were half decent uh, that we could go. So, yeah, like I said, it, it never faded. It never went away. Um, it was always, you know, right there. And the young guys were real good about uh, handling it and, and understanding what we had gone through. And any other new guys that came into the organization, um, we're very respectful of, uh, you know, the core of us that just um, didn't want to have to go through anything like that ever again. 
So it's every every kid's dream that plays this game to to get drafted in the the National Hockey League, and you know, and you went forty first overall that in in your draft year. I mean, what what's that experience like? It was so cool. Um, the draft was in Detroit that year. Um, it was nerve-wracking. It was exciting. It was, you know, you'd worked so hard for so long to get or to have the possibility of, you know, being considered um, to be one of the best players in the world in the NHL. And, um, you know, sitting there on draft day with my dad and, um, hearing all the names called and, and you know, the, the list kept going and, you know, where I was projected to go came and went. And, and then there was another name in front of mine and another name in front of mine. And it was one of the hardest days, um, you know, just uh, so many thoughts and things going through, you know, the bus accident and is this real? Is Could this possibly happen? Is it because of that that I'm not getting drafted? Um you know, so many things. And then lo and behold, your name gets called and all that goes away. And it's the happiest day of your life. So much, much like the rest of your junior career then, as far as just a, just a roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, I think if you talk to anybody that was drafted or, or not drafted where they were projected to be, um, they'll tell you the same story. You know, it's, uh, you just sit there and wait and wait and wait. And yeah, it, it's like, uh, my career had gone and it's like, it's like life, you know, you just, uh, up and downs, you never know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. Just got to be ready for when it is. So again, we've, we've established, you know, that you're a good player on a good team, you know, went pretty high in the draft, even if, uh, even if you would like to go higher, you know, and it never, and you, and you played in a lot of leagues, a lot of you know you hung on and 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 tried to to make a make a career out of it and played you know you got paid to play the game which is more than the rest of us can say mm-hmm. how how much do you think i mean that that trauma that that PTSD held you back from becoming the the defenseman you really wanted to be you know it's a great question Chad you know i think there's some people that i know out there hey ever get to listen to this um you know, might argue it, but, uh, I, I'd say it had a, a huge impact, you know, after the bus accident. Um, I really didn't, uh, I was going to live life the way I wanted to live it. And, um, you know, I was going to do the things that I wanted to do because I saw how short it was. And I really didn't like the game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, after I was drafted in between that and winning the Memorial Cup, I had actually quit. Uh, three times, hmm. gone home and said, I just, I can't handle it. I can't do this anymore. And, you know, my agent or my dad or somebody was always trying to talk me out of it. And so I kept playing. And when I was fortunate enough to turn pro, you know, things were starting to fade. And I realized I was getting paid to play hockey and doing okay. But, um, you know, those things just never leave you. And at that critical age, you know, 17 years old, um, you know, it's, it's such a formative time in a, in a young man's life. And it had longer and, and more powerful effects than I ever thought. So my pro career never panned out the way that it could have been, uh, with the talent and the abilities that I had. And, uh, by the time I was 24, I, I really didn't want to play anymore, but I didn't know what else to do because, uh, I never finished school. I, I had no education. Um, 
I had no other passion and I just kept playing and, you know, wasn't real motivated to do a whole lot and it just got, uh, it, it got really hard and, you know, it was quite depressing and dealt with that for uh, a lot of different years. Um, it had a huge impact, um, on my life having to go through that and not being able to process it properly. And it's one of the regrets that I, you know, still live with occasionally. There's those times when you think, man, what if I only had her? What if I only, I try not to go there as much uh, anymore just because it's, it's quite painful. Hmm. That's really fascinating. I mean, it's, to me, it's almost a, a nature versus nurture argument, you know, that you look at what makes a successful hockey player and, how much of it's physical, how much of it's, you know, the, the right coaching and the right development and how much of it's, you know, the, you know, the, the, the instinct, you know, you look at some of these, some of these greats that, you know, they have that sense, they can see the play develop before, before it happens and you can't teach that. And, you know, it sounds like you had the physical tools all there and, and just, once you lose motivation for something, I mean, yeah, you're, you're in trouble. Yeah, you know, doing what I do now and helping the young athletes with the mental side of the game. and uh, You know, it's the biggest thing i found is the stronger your foundation is at a young age, the easier it's going to be to do the things that are difficult. And when I got to be a pro, you know, I'd been through so much in junior. And when I got to pro and they said, okay, now you got to do more, um, I was gassed. I had no more to give. Um, you know, even though it was my lifelong dream, it just wasn't that important anymore. Um, and I was only willing to give so much. And you know, in this game and what people get paid and the expectations they have, you got to be willing to give all of everything, you know, every step of the way. And that's a really hard thing to do when you think about, you know, drafting somebody who's 18 years old, um, who really hasn't developed yet, who really has no life experience, um, to become one of the best in the world and understand the work ethic that's required uh, to be able to get there, to be able to stay there. Um, and then to have that level of success, you know, my hat's off to those guys that, uh, everybody knows, you know, the legends in the game, they're, they're exceptional people. Let's, let's go into, to the work you're doing now that you, you mentioned with, uh, with, I've, I've got mind. I mean, I, I don't know that much about, you know, your organization and, and, and the services you're providing, but, um, let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So. It, it started um, when I retired back in 2000. You know, I was uh, confused. Um, I didn't really have a direction. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what really had just happened. You know, 10 years traveling all over the world and, um, you know, doing what I thought I loved. And I started looking for answers. And I started to, as I started to find answers, I started to heal myself and, step back from the game you know i was really done with it uh i think you know the way i felt was it was unfair i think that i had you know um gotten the wrong end of the stick as you know uh, people do a lot of times they don't get what they want and i started to learn that you know every every opportunity that i had was was mine and i wasn't i wasn't good when when those opportunities came you know for a whole bunch of different reasons and I couldn't point the finger anymore and I couldn't blame anybody else anymore. And, you know, I had to take responsibility. So really was starting to feel good. And at that time, a friend of mine had come to me and said, uh, we need a hockey coach. And 
sat down with my wife and talked about it and she said, you know what, I think it's time. I think it would be good for you. So I went back and as I was healing myself and, you know, going through all the different things that I needed to go through, I started to recognize that these kids were going through the same thing that I was going through and being frustrated and wanting to be better and not knowing how. And I went and got certified as a life coach and I started to put all my experiences into content and you know, this is why you have performance anxiety and this is why you're inconsistent and this is why. And, you know, it just, uh, it took off. I sold uh, the pro shop business I was in down in the States, um, started traveling back and forth between Hershey and Calgary uh, for about three years, just getting the word out there that there was something like this. Um, I'm not a sports psychologist, um, but, you know, I've got a lifetime in the game. Uh I've got a lot of unique life experiences and I knew that I could help these young men learn the things that they needed to, to get where they wanted to go. Yeah, that's, that's really, I mean, that's really interesting. And it's, you know, it's nice to be able to take, to take those experiences and those, you know, all the things you've been through and, and, and really make it into a positive and really try to, you know, invest in the, in the, in this next generation of kids and, you know, and try to help them move forward. You know, Chad, I, I, I found my purpose. You know, so many years you wander around and you go through the different things you have to go through in life and you wonder why and why, why is this happening and why is this going on? It wasn't until I kind of had that opportunity to sit in a classroom with a bunch of kids and see the look on their face, um, to see the performance change to see them change, to hear their parents and how they've grown, um, how much more responsible, how much more level-headed, how much more prepared, um, to see them achieve the things that they want to achieve, um, everything I've gone through in life to be able to provide some insights to help these guys has is, is been well worth it. So if there's players out, um, if there's young players, if there's probably more likely parents, uh, listen to the show that that would be interested you know in in uh in looking you up and 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 i got mind you know what 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 specifically are, are services you provide and, and and how do we find you yeah so you know what a, a little bit of everything um you know i've been dealing with uh, for the last week a lot of different players trying to stuck struggle with um you know the loss of their friends uh it's amazing how widespread it is how connected these kids are to other kids. So, you know, helping players that have friends that have passed or, you know, have survived, but they don't know what to say. Um, been doing a lot of that work lately. Uh, you know, the main part of my program and what I do is a program that I wrote called Success Strategies. And it's a 16-week uh, program that we do all online. So, you know, we've got kids from all over North America wrapped up in it. Um, and just being able to share all the different foundational pieces that they need to have to monitor um, themselves as they go on this path of trying to be the best that they can be and achieve their dreams and goals of being a professional athlete. It's, it's awesome to watch these young guys as they learn these things and be able to use them and what they can achieve. And you said that's, that's a really it's really special that you have found, you know, that outlet to, 
to to and, and and it's probably it's probably therapeutic to your to yourself to a certain extent, right? As far as working out some of these some of these things that have been you know sitting there staring at you for your your whole life. It's such a two way street, um, you know, to be able to provide the information for these players and their parents, um, but also everything that I learned from this new generation and how brilliant they are, um, how needed this is, and and how quickly they can grasp this information and move on. Um, you know, it's, it's a relationship that we all benefit from. And, you know, it, it, I couldn't be more thankful to, to have stumbled upon it. So is that, a, is that a full-time gig then? It is. Yeah. This is, uh, this is what I've dedicated my life to doing and, you know, travel all over the world and, um, speaking to different groups and, you know, lots of individual kids and lots of teams and, um, you know, just trying to shed some light on the hockey. Sometimes the game of hockey sometimes can get a bad rap and uh, there's nothing wrong with the game of hockey. It's brilliant. It's one of the best teachers of uh, life lessons that there is. It's just, we have to make sure that we're teaching those lessons as they go through them. And, you know, anytime you get people involved in anything, it gets more complicated. So, you know, to be able to shed some light and, and, make it more plausible for, for these kids trying to achieve their dreams is, uh, it's awesome. So then is, is your website the, the best way to, to, to find you? Yeah, the best way, um, there's lots of information on the website. There's a whole bunch of videos, uh, you know, different programs, different opportunities, um, uh, of things that I can help out. If they go to igotmine.ca, um, they can book a meeting with me or request a phone call uh, to find out more. But like I say, there's lots of information there for somebody who's looking for some help. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna include the the link in the the description for for this this episode when we when we go to post it up. Awesome, thanks, Chad. It's um, I got mine dot ca not dot com. Okay. Yeah. So, what what do you what do you see? for the path going forward for these, these kids from Humboldt, you know, as, 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 again, as a guy that's been there, I mean, they still got a long, long road in front of them, don't they? They do. You know, um, the, the best part about the whole thing is we talked about earlier with the, you know, the, the outcrying of support and this GoFundMe page of, you know, over $10 million. Um, you know, Sheldon right now is, is trying to help them formulate, uh, uh, a board and, and to have governance over the money and to make sure that it's distributed right. And um, they're getting the proper help to um, create learning opportunities for, for the entire uh, community of Saskatchewan to have um, more brief counseling on, uh, to have and enhance the skills of the people that are there trying to do the work um, so that, you know, we can get on this thing quicker than, than we had to go through Um we want to make sure that there's resources out there for them to be able to get the help, to get the support and, and to get on with their lives as quickly as possible. So there's a lot of work to do. Um, they're going to be in pain for, you know, a long time. And we're hoping that we can really shorten that and help these guys get on with their life because the story that they now have, that they're a part of um, can be used to be very inspiring to a lot of people that are going to need somebody with that kind of strength that overcame this, this sort of tragedy. Yeah. we you know, you mentioned earlier the the player that's that's paralyzed and and his quote of well, that's you know, I'll just play sled hockey. That's you know, it's yeah. fine. You know, I mean, it's and in some ways, how else are you going to look at it, right? But I mean, you have to you have to get back up. But I mean, it's probably a lot easier said than done. 
absolutely. You know, he just he blew us away. Um, we walked in there, and, and the first question he had for us was, "What's it like to walk in an NHL locker room?" And and it really, I know it helped us a lot. You know, by him having that attitude, and it and it shows the strength um, that that young man has. But you know, getting used to living life in a wheelchair is is going to be a huge challenge, and there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to hear from him again in the future. Well, I mean, he's he's right. I mean, statistically, it's probably 1% of the people walking the planet have scored a goal in that league, and, and I'm speaking to one of them right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it, you know, it just... It, it was such a, a life-changing moment uh, seeing a young man that strong and asking that question. Um we're going to make sure that we can everything we can do to help them get where he wants to go. And I would love to see him in the Olympics one day. Yeah. Well, I mean, winning, you know, silver because the U S is going to win gold. <laughs> yeah, I'll let him work that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's going to be those two in the final. It always is, but, um, right. You know, and the, <laughs> another, another inspiring story was, um, I can't think of his name off my head, but the, the guy that didn't make it, but the um, the organ transplants and how, yeah. you know, what the, the the people signing up for being organ donors is up, you know, 10,000% or whatever it is. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's you, sometimes you got to dig deep, but you can, like you said, you can find positives in these things as far as these, you know, as long as we're learning the, the, the right lessons out of it. Chad, I lived in the States for 20 years, man. I remember 9-11. And I'll never forget the day when the news came, where I was, what I was doing, and the fear that I had, and the need to be around my family. But the weeks that followed, and the love and support, and I remember specifically, you know, watching the New York Yankees, and they were in the playoffs. You know, people are capable of so much. And we're full uh, of love and compassion. And it's a shame that a tragedy like this has to happen in order for us to show that. I wish you could see it more on a daily basis on the scale that we're seeing it now. But I hope that a lot of people out there really realize that and take a step back some days and take a deep breath and realize all the things that we do have to be grateful for because life is short and life is precious. And, you know, the more that we can operate like the last week has been and all the positive things that have come from such a horrible tragedy, it sure would be nice if we could live more days like that as a society. No, that's, that's well said. And, you know, any, any type of, we talked earlier about, you know, you're a regular type of loss, you know, and you're, you, that we go through, we all go through and, you know, and, and you made this point too, that again, it's, 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 it's life short and you have to get out there and do it and you have to make the most of it because it's the only thing that's guaranteed is it's going to be over. And so yeah. I, I always say, I mean, you got to, you know, get, get, get your motorcycle running, go fishing, call your mom. I mean, wh- whatever, whatever it is that you do, you got to get out there and do it because you only have so much time. The most valuable thing that we possess in this lifetime is time. And, you know, to waste a minute, to waste a second, um, well, it's a shame. You don't see people waste money like that, but we sure waste time like that. 
you know, if there's anything that can come of any of this in this whole interview, is don't waste any time. If you've got something that you want to accomplish, if you've got someone that you have to call, if there's something that you need to do, get to doing it. Yeah. Then on, on that note, I really appreciate the time that you've given me and, and, uh, and I, I feel it was, I feel it's really, really interesting, really interesting interview with you. And, uh, and I hope, hope our listeners feel the same way. I imagine they probably will. Thanks, Chad, so much for reaching out. Uh, this has been great. Anytime, you know, this kind of stuff can be shared with people out there. Uh, I think it's a great thing. So keep up the good work. Yeah. Thank you. I re- appreciate, really appreciate, uh, getting to speak with you today, Bob.